Where the hell is Calvin? A pinch of salt and laughter too A scoop of kids to add the spice A dash of love to make it nice And you got too many cooks Where is Calvin? 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 All right, and that's that's right there. That is what happens on Careless Whispers on CLNS Media when I have even just a minute, 90 seconds, 100 seconds to uh, mess around before we start the show. My name is Matt Rury. This is Careless Whispers. You're not listening to too many cooks. Calvin Chamberlain, my late co-host, how are you this evening? Two weeks late, and you're still, or two weeks between show, and you're still a couple minutes late, huh? What do you say? Uh, I mean, first of all, I was one minute late. And secondly, yes, I, like I do every week, I just forgot the telephone number, and I had to go try to look it up via email. Started dialing 347, and then I was like, no. Oh, anyway, we're here, and uh, we're going to have a good time tonight, I think, because it has been a while since we've heard the theme song of our show. And uh, a lot's going on. So where do you want to start tonight? Not with the, I mean, the Celtics, and we're in Celtics. No, no, why don't we start with the Celtics? That's literally oh, you what I was going to say. I'm sorry? I said, oh, you do want to start with the Celtics. Uh, that's fine. Yeah let's, let's, yeah, let's start with the Celtics. Um, we like doing that around here. So, really, Brad Stevens uh, finally came out. Finally came out, and he said it. Yeah. Finally. Finally. I mean... It's been a long time coming, right? Uh, we, we've been seeing tweets for months uh, from Gordon Hayward, you know, maybe shooting jump shots or walking around somewhere, and then, like, you know, maybe the caption on Instagram would say soon or something. He's throwing them up there in yeah. the swimming pool, you know? Yeah, so, so you know, so when will Gordon Hayward uh, hype train, or return hype train has sort of been building and building and building. Finally, Brad Stevens just said, oh, you know, that, that hype train? Let's jump right off. That high train's going to fly right off a cliff. Gordon Hayward's not returning this season. Yep. He's stopping it right now. Brad Stevens putting a stop to it, putting his foot down. I think uh, the conspiracy theorist in me wants to believe that it's possible that he comes back. I've been saying saying this entire time that he's not playing, and it doesn't make sense for him to play. And uh, I'm glad that that Stevens is shutting it down because, you know what, I think that Unless something extraordinary happens over the next couple of weeks, uh, Brad Stevens has already decided that there's no point in bringing Gordon Hayward in, into basketball games this year. And as the guy that makes those decisions, I would like to believe that he's telling the truth. Not to say that he can't change his mind, because if some new information comes his way and that he sees that Gordon Hayward is as strong as he ever has been. But knowing what we know right now, 
I'm totally fine with it. I'm actually happy about it. I'm glad that he just put the thing to rest and he can focus on, not that he wasn't doing this before, focus on who's there now. Let, let the players focus on who's there now. They, nobody has to worry and look over their shoulder to see if their minutes are going to get taken by Gordon Hayward. And the fans can just shut up about it. And I, I think it's great. So I'm happy to hear that. And Gordon is going to come back next season 100%, and the Celtics are going to be an even better team than they are this year. And they're going to overachieve next year as well, as Brad, as a Brad Stevens team has done in his, pretty much his entire professional coaching career. It seems as though his teams are overachieving. Wait, you're already making next year predictions? I'm doing I'm talking about next year in, in, in that three second time span, yes. Fine, the Lakers are gonna be in the Western Conference Finals next year. Boom, predictions. Oh, predictions okay. for next year. How do you how do you like that? How do you like that? Yeah, no. you don't like it very much, do you? Complete speculation. Mine at least is based off of a player that is on the roster. That is true. That's true. But here's the thing. You you you're you're saying you're uh the thing that's speculation is that they'll overachieve. Because you, you because the, the statement overachieving applies that you 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 will think that they will achieve, you know, X amount of goodness. So let's say you you assume that they will get to the NBA finals next year with Gordon Haywood. Overachieving would then be to win the NBA championship. That's essentially what you're saying to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, you to, if you want to look at it that way, I would think that uh, we could break it down even further, and I would say that with Gordon Hayward, I would expect them to, to lose the NBA Finals in five games. If they stretch to seven, that's an overachievement. All right. So you're expecting a seven-game NBA championship uh, sort of run to the Finals next year for the Celtics. You heard it here first. Earlier than anyone else. Continues as it has over the past six years, yeah. they will overachieve again. Yes, there's a that's that's an if, yeah. sure, but it's a pretty strong one if you ask me because he's already shown oh, that yeah. teams, and it's all it, it's it, it's all subjective, right? It, it's all whoever whatever you think. It's you're, it's a it's all opinion. If you didn't think that they were going to do this well going into the season, then they they're not overachieving. Maybe people out there don't see it that way, but the way that I've looked at these teams and the rosters that he's had going into each season that he's been here, I think that they've pretty much every year have gotten more wins than I thought at the beginning of the year. So until he proves, until a team goes out and fails to reach expectations, then I'm, that's what I'm going with. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that they're going to overachieve. Yeah. All I'm saying is you don't, you don't even know what any other, you know, what if LeBron goes to the Lakers and then, Kyle Lowry breaks his leg, you know, and it's like, yeah, all of a sudden the, the, the Celtics are like the, the the best team in the East by a mile, you know. John Wall gets traded because he hates the Wizards, and they they bring somebody in. It sure. doesn't work out. But it's but I, it would still be expected to go to the NBA Finals, and I would I would think that they would lose against the best team from the West. So it's still the same right. type of scenario. But in that case, you're calling it overachievement. In any case, back back to the point in hand. Look. I've been saying this, and you know, I'm on record clearly on this show and in other places saying that I thought it was a mistake that they ever said Gordon Haywood, uh, you know, might play this year, and I never understood the sort of banning of the flames, uh, you know, for hope for the notion that he might come back 
What's interesting to me now, in, so it is, yes, I agree that it's a good thing that they're saying he's not playing this year. I said it at the, basically at the time, the idea of him coming back in March or April, and this applies to anybody. I, I would, I would, I'd apply this statement to Kawhi Leonard, too. I don't know how you feel about Kawhi Leonard coming back, but, but Kawhi Leonard shouldn't come back now. I'm just, I, you know what I mean? It's, I, I know the Spurs are playing terribly, but like they're not going to, look, and, and maybe Kawhi is a, a different case. You can argue because uh, you know the, the we don't they don't have the I sort would. of Tatum, you would argue a different case because they don't have well, the I think it's not even that uh, they have the Celtics have a replacement and uh, the Spurs don't. It's more that I think Kawhi is a better player than Gordon Hayward. I think he's on that that, that top tier superstar MVP type of level, and Hayward is on the next level. So. When it comes to a, a top-tier player like Kawhi Leonard, I think that you always want them to come back and be at your disposal. But when, when you look at, at Hayward, it's not the guys that fill in for him. It's the other guys. They ha- already have Kyrie Irving, who it, is the best player on the team. And they have Al Horford, who's an all-star and the best defensive player on the team, or most important defensive player on the team, I should say, because M- Marcus Smart is probably the best straight-up straight all-around defender, but I think Horford is a little more important for the scheme. Um, but they've already got those two guys, so Hayward is essentially an excellent role player, you know? And he's, he's going to be leaned on heavily over the next few years, I would assume. But I think Leonard is just more important to the Spurs in general, and it's not because of the backups. Oh, yeah, I know. I agree that he's more important. It's more a matter of... I don't think that you – but, see, to me, importance also facts. Look, I don't think it's a good idea for any playoff team to be integrating any piece, uh, you know, in, back into the lineup. And I, to me, it might be – you might be argue it's a little bit different because the Spurs are, you know, spiraling anyway. And we'll get, we'll get to the Western Conference sort of quagmire that's just super fascinating this season where there's, you know, essentially – you know, eight teams that are all about them, almost exactly the same in terms of what their records are. And maybe the Spurs are on the verge of falling out of that and they're, they're in desperation mode and they feel like they, they need to bring Kawhi in. All I'm saying is, and to me, like well, the better someone is, it's like the, the greater of an argument this is, which is that, like, it's hard to assimilate a guy when you yeah. – the, the point of the regular season is to create roles, create, you know, figure so, out who plays well together uh, – figure out what's, what you want to play somebody minutes-wise. To try to bring somebody back in late in the season and sort of change things that you establish, you find things that, that work and you sort of have to start all over. You have to run right. plays. You haven't practiced with a guy all season. I know Kawhi is the best player on the team, but again, like that doesn't mean he's going to be the best player on the team immediately coming back. You know what I mean? Like, none of these guys, Gordon Hayward, okay. the same way. Like, Coming back well, how do you, where do you draw that line, though? Where do you draw that line? Or do you not draw the line? Are you saying that if James Harden, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James were in a similar situation and they, did, they wanted to come back, you would, you would say, nope, it doesn't matter who you are. It's, you're going to hurt the team but more than you're going to help? No, well, well, part of me wants to draw the line at, like, at like time, time. How much time have you missed? How much time is left in the season? You know what I mean? Like, if... if if, okay. Uh, James Hard- if James Harden gets hurt in in uh, you know James Harden gets hurt in November, and the and the Rockets under Chris Paul get out to uh, you know a fifteen eleven start, and then you know James Harden has a significant injury that he's going to have to rehab from, and the, the team is sort of galvanized around Harden and, and I mean around Paul and Paul is essentially 
taken heart and function, and, and those two hadn't established, uh, especially uh, in this case with Haywood becoming a new player on the team, like like they hadn't established like how it's exactly it's going to work, and then you're going to try to figure that out and reassimilate James Harden in right now, right now to the end of the year. Like even in February, you go, okay, well you, he's got like six weeks before the playoffs, but then even now with like another week or two, I'm still saying okay, fine, James Harden. But once you get once you get past say like March 15th, and we're talking about you know less than a month to get this done with with trying to bring a guy, especially a guy like Harden, back into into that offense after being out the entire year and getting out of shape and all those things, like, you know, his minutes, figuring out his role. Yeah, I would say, you know what, maybe maybe you're better off letting Harden come back next year. And, and that's also not even factoring hmm. in the fact that Harden, that in that case, the, the star is going to feel like exactly what you're talking about, how good a player is it. That guy's going to feel inherent pressure himself because he, you know, he has playoff mortality. He has only so many shots in the apple. How much is that guy going to force it? You're putting him in a position where he, even Gordon Hayward, like Gordon, you, you say Gordon Hayward, you know, is a, a, a sort of glorified role player on this team, but, but in fair or unfair, I'm, I'm sure Gordon Hayward doesn't see it that way, right? He just signed $130 million. No, no, no. Gordon Hayward probably sees him as the best player on the team. So, like, I, I, you know what I mean? So all, all that... All that taken into account, you think Gordon Haywood's going to, like, if he came back this year, that he would just be the guy who tried to fit in? Probably not. I mean, maybe over time he can find a perfect role. But, again, this is what we're talking about, not enough time. I just don't think it's a wise decision to make, especially if you're rolling at all, which obviously the Celtics are at this point. Man, I just I look at it more as far as the roster and, and the hierarchy of the player. I, I I feel like Harden would be a guy you'd want to get back in there. LeBron James is one of those guys. I mean, if it's by far and away your best player, I mean, maybe Harden to Chris Paul is, is or definitely Harden to Chris Paul is a lesser of a jump than it is from LeBron to the next best player on the Cavs, whoever you want to say who it is. I guess Kevin Love at this point, uh, but he's injured. But he, neither that's neither here here nor there. Um, I just I look at the rosters because I feel like teams would want their best player to be back, and I guess the Spurs are probably not the greatest example for this argument because Lamarcus Aldridge is a pretty great player; he's a top tier player. But I mean, they're they're not, uh, not top tier, not not that top top tier. He's in the same tier as uh, Gordon Hayward, in my opinion. Um, but he's up there; he's not up there with Kawhi Leonard, but the Spurs are, are kind of floundering a little bit. So it's, if, if LeBron James were taken off the Cavs and they just started falling to sixth, seventh in the East, and then there was a chance that he'd come back, I would believe that they would put him on the floor, regardless of whether it's February 25th or March 15th or even April 1st. If they thought that he was healthy enough to play, he'd be out there, and that would make them a better team. So you don't think it matters of when he went out either, because like all that factors in too, right? If you miss the, you know, functionally miss the entire season, you're sure. not in game. Shape. I mean, you're especially not in late season game shape. You've been you've been rehabbing right. this entire time. It's like his cardio. You know what I mean? His cardio is not going to be up. When you talk about James Harden. You know how James how fat James Harden would get if he just sat on the sidelines for a year? <laughs> like I'm expecting James Harden to just come into the game and be awesome. Like. Um, but, yeah, you know what some some interesting actual examples are? Yeah, we used the Spurs, but the ones we didn't, I, I'm just curious what, what your thoughts on this uh, are. Like, you know, let's say if, if these guys aren't even guys who got injured as late in the year as, as what I was talking about. 
Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it's early in the year, but like, are the Wizards better if John Wall comes back tomorrow? You know what I mean? Or not even tomorrow? Because let's say it's again, it's it's uh, yeah, a see, couple weeks before the end of the, the season. Thing. I would I would say they they probably would want him to come back. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they. I don't even know if they want him to come back now. If you look at the comments they're making about it, and, and like they started playing well, better, they were playing poorly with him. And then I, I, I'd even say the same thing for Cousins. Like, would the Pelicans really want Cousins back right now, considering the way a they're, they're playing and the way Anthony Davis is playing? They, no, that's a better example. That not, that's that's definitely a better example. Uh, because I think John Wall, I don't know. He's, I I feel like he's uh, again a guy that may, would elevate the Wizards in a playoff scenario. I, I feel like he's been there before, and I just look at their roster, and maybe they're playing better right now. But when the playoffs come down, I think that John Wall would be a guy that makes them better. Cousins, I'm not sold on. I I feel like New Orleans would be the same or maybe even worse with Cousins in the playoffs, depending on his attitude, depending on uh, how much he was taking away from Anthony Davis. The fact that Davis is carrying this team right now and they look better than they have in a long time. They've won eight in a row, which is absolutely outrageous. I thought that eight games ago that they were destined for falling out of the playoffs and Utah or the Clippers to hang in there. But um, that New Orleans is on a tear, and they're, they're looking like they're going to to be in there now and they're distancing themselves enough that it's, I mean, it's still pretty close. There's only two games between the the two teams uh, between fourth and ninth, but the way that they're playing, they look like they're going to make it right. So again, it depends on the roster. It depends on the situation. I would just think, tend to think that more often than not an MVP caliber type of player would be welcomed onto the floor by, their, their organization. Right, and Hayward is not that player. That, that's, what, that's what I'm looking at. Hayward is not that player. So anybody in that next tier, thank you. Get healthy. Come back next year. We're going to really appreciate your contri- contribution at that point. Hmm. See, to me, it's, it's, I guess it's about, like, just a, there's no, like, you know, hard and fast rule for me. I guess it just depends on uh, – like what the player's role is, how much time there is to reassimilate him, and how te- how well the team is playing without him. I factor all those in together and, and try to come to. And like also, what what is what? How long has he been out with the injury? What kind of shape is he in? Uh, and like what kind of risk is there going forward bringing him back? You know, early. Um, in Hayward's case, well, I, I, yeah, I, believe me, I'm, I don't want guys coming back early. I'm, I'm only looking at a scenario where they are physically 100% healed. And their conditioning is is good enough. Like they've had a couple of weeks of practice or something. I don't. I'm not saying guys should just jump on the floor when when the doctors clear them. I I think that they need that practice. But they could get a couple of weeks of practice in the first couple of weeks of uh, of uh, April even, and come back for the playoffs and make a team better. In my opinion. Okay. So, well, a lot of time, you, especially like at the end of the season, they don't really have too many practices, right? So um, I guess that guy could be out there practicing on his own, you know, whoever. He's but, ramping up his uh, conditioning. Is what, yeah, is the, but, yeah. But bringing back to Hayward, again, look, when Hayward originally uh, hurt himself, the diagnosis was that he was going to miss the entire season. And, like, it, when, it's, I don't know, it, it, it's really been a weird thing to me that they've sort of not encouraged, I guess you could 
say somewhat encouraged, right, but not discouraged is really a more accurate uh, statement. Any of this sort of talk about uh, Hayward playing this season until right now, that's what I find odd about it. You know what I mean? Because it's been a narrative for, what, like a month, over a month, right? Two months that he might come back early and, like, I don't know. I and I, I said at the time that I didn't like the notion. I didn't like like you know giving him that thought because then he's going to try to push himself to get back. And I, I, it's a weird point to me that like Brad Stevens is like deciding now to cut it off. You know what I mean? Is is Brad Stevens functionally saying what I'm saying? Like, hey, we gave you a chance, but if you couldn't get back by March 6th, then or you know Might March be. 3rd when he actually when he actually said it. So now it's now it's too late for you, Gordon Hayward. You're out for the year. You know what I mean? Or, that's or maybe thing. maybe he knows his player well enough, and I think he probably sh- he would after having coached him through college and spending a lot of time with him otherwise. Uh, maybe he knows his player well enough to see that he's maybe pushing a little bit. Maybe he's pressing a little too much, and he, maybe he's getting it. Maybe he, Hayward is going to Stevens and saying, "Hey, coach, I think I'm going to be ready to go in a couple of weeks. What do you think?" I mean, and and Stevens is saying, "All right, you know what? This is this is potentially a distraction." It's not necessarily one right now, but it's possible that it will become a distraction down the way for you or anyone else on this team. And if, if the coach thinks that a single player or coaching member or training staff member or whoever it is is distracted at all by the notion that Gordon Hayward might come back this season, then putting a stop to it now is the right move to make. So there are a multitude of reasons that Stevens could have done it, and I can't think of a bad one. I can't think of a bad reason to do this. No, see, I I agree with that. I just think he should have just cut it off immediately instead of allowing it to go on as long as Sure, well, and then cut maybe it off. at that point he didn't, he didn't really know. That's what I would say is at that point they weren't really sure. And there is a, a, a point where maybe he did draw a line in the sand like you did at the beginning of, or middle of March and said if it gets to this point – that's it, and he's not going to come back. And if anybody asks after that day, I will say that he's not coming back. And I don't know what goes through his head. That would make sense. But regardless, it's it's done now, and I think it's a good thing, and we can all move on. Yeah, I guess I just never found it a, a, a realistic timeline that he would ever come back this season. But, yeah, so they can move on. I guess we can move on as well. Uh, let me um... – Again, uh, as anyone who's listened to this show before knows, we're the, the most common common trait that we have is that we're ill-prepared for everything. So um, I'm having a hard time pulling up my outline here for, for whatever reason. My my email is frozen. Uh, what other, Give me another topic, Rory. Give me another topic, Rory. Um, do you want to do NCAA scandals, or do you want to talk oh, yeah, about more NBA stuff with the soup? Uh, perhaps the tanking oh, yeah. story or other Cleveland Cavaliers uh, things are out there. And then, of course, uh, you want to talk Western Conference basketball at some point as well. So there's our little rundown. How about that? Oh, nice. You, you, you got one? You, you, can, you can call it out. What do you like next? What do you like? What do you like? Um, I kind of like that That big who do you believe in in the West after the, the top two teams. I'm not really sure if I want to go there right this second, but – We'll tease that one for the next segment. Uh, let's let's quickly hit J.R. Smith and the Cavs because um, Cleveland, you know, after that trade, people were talking about them like they're fixed and everything is going to be great and 
they're going to they're going to have young fresh legs and LeBron's going to be fine and everything. Look at them. They're they're going to play defense and they're excellent. And they kind of lost a little bit of that air after the first week or or 10 days, something like that. Sure, they're 6 and 4 in the last 10. They're they look a little bit more cohesive. They at least uh, are not uh, see, seemingly giving up on plays like Crowder and LeBron were doing and Isaiah was doing when they were all together in Cleveland. But I still don't really see where this team is going. And um, J.R. Smith is certainly not happy with, with uh, some of the things that's, ha- that, that's going on there because apparently he threw his soup at Damon Jones. And when this story first came out, Calvin, people didn't know who he threw his soup at. They didn't know why. People were, were speculating that it was a full can of soup. And, man, that would hurt if somebody threw a can of soup at you. Like, that's, that's pretty rough. Uh, but it later came out that it was an open bowl of soup. And if you've got any more details than that, I'd love for you to share them because this is one of the funniest things that, I, that I've heard in a while. Uh, I mean, there was a report that it's chicken tortilla soup, but it's it's unconfirmed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the type of soup is interesting. Uh, yeah, to me, mm-hmm. first of all, but I, I'd like to know exactly how hot this soup was, right? Because, like, Throwing a bowl of soup on Damon Jones, which like, I'm I'm already amused by the fact that that Damon Jones like somehow finagled his job as like LeBron James's on-court caddy and like on-court celebrator into like an actual NBA assistant head coaching job. Tells me like all I need to know about like the the sort of networking it takes to get an assistant NBA coaching job in the NBA. Or I guess really the answer is be friends with LeBron, right? Like, I don't know how good so, of a coach Damon Jones actually is. Quickly, a couple of the radio guys today in the morning uh, were talking about uh, how th- th- being friends with a millionaire can have its ups and its downs, but unless they're like a really jerky type of millionaire, you kind of want to be friends with them because there may be a time where they just end up throwing you a bone. And they referenced Adam Sandler hiring David Spade for every movie that he's done in the last 10 years. Um but this sort of feels like that to me. LeBron James has his buddy Damon Jones there. He's like, ah, hey, you know what? I'm big enough now. Come on, you work for the Cavs. Come on, you're gonna you're gonna work on the on the coaching staff now. Damon Jones, you're hired. Yeah, it's it is amazing to me that he's even there. And like, I, I, yeah. But I just love like he said something to J.R. Smith that made him so angry that he threw a bowl of soup on him. It's like such a J.R. Smith story. I think that's what that's what I love. I just love the fact that it's J.R. getting. I'm gonna make. He's one of the guys that I'm gonna miss when he's gone. I know it sounds ridiculous. I don't really have too much on this story other than like, if the soup was hot, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of feel like he should be prosecuted for assault. It's trending. I, it's trending right now. When you go to Google and you type in J.R. Smith, the first thing that uh, the cup pops up is J.R. Smith's soup. After that, it's uh, J.R. Smith stats, contract, memes, age, wife, wife. Justin's married? I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he is. He got married two years ago. Good for him. Congratulations, Jarrah Smith. Settling down. Yep. Yeah, she was trying to get the pipe, so it happened. Um, <laughs> classic J.R. Smith reference. Uh, not not being creative. Yes. J.R. Smith reference. Anyway. Nope. Yeah. So, Rory, I I want to touch on what you said about the Cavs because I I just think it's hilarious that like. So, you know, they did the massive move 
set at the trade deadline, uh, brought in five different dudes, have an entirely new team, and then they beat the Hawks without those guys, right? And then the thing they beat the Celtics, they beat the Celtics, right? They smashed them. After they smashed the Celtics and that game, then it was like that was enough. That that game it was essentially and they they had won their two games before the trade. You said they're six and four in their last and which is true, but they're also yep. two and four in their last six. So yep, right. they beat the Celtics, they lost, and then I think they beat the Thunder pretty handily. Everyone was still feeling pretty good about them. And now they've now they're right back in the ditch. They've gone one and three in their last four. Their defense looks you know, if you blame Isaiah as much as you want, and Isaiah certainly did not help at all. And like the narrative was like, oh, we got this cancer Isaiah off the team. That's more of a Celtics fan. You got to probably feel pretty good about it. like the slight vindication of Isaiah on this one too, right? But they're still terrible defensively. They're still not good. George Hill, yeah, he's a better defender, but like, what is? I feel like not that not that much. Anymore. What's up? George Hill's not that much better. I mean, he's a better defender than Isaiah, but not that much yeah. better. He's kind of old, and he's still undersized as well. Uh, he's more of an offensive player, and people thought that he was going to be the facilitator for, for some of the other guys, but really it's just LeBron. And the only guys that look good to me on this team are LeBron and Larry Nance Jr. right now. So it's it's funny how, how they're making him look, look great, and Tristan Thompson has sort of gone off to the side uh, and, and not really shown up in most of these games, but Cleveland still in disarray. I mean, they're, they don't look like a finals team. Well, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about the West, but we might, I might as well just ask you this question about Cleveland specifically. Are they a finals team? It's right now, mm-hmm. you know, gun to your head scenario. Um, yeah. Would you take the Cleveland Cavaliers to get to the final? Ah, uh... <laughs> That is a tough one. It's a tough one. And the reason I say that is because if you just consider, I don't really know what their schedule looks like, but if you just look at the standings and you consider the fact that uh, they're only a half game ahead of Indiana, who has played relatively well out of the all-star break, Washington, who knows what's going to happen with them. That's a game and a half. And then you've got Philadelphia, who's kind of looming a little bit, two games behind Cleveland. The point is, Right now, Cleveland's matched up with Philadelphia in, in the first round. And any of those teams could go back and forth. But I truly believe that Philadelphia is building enough chemistry. They have good coaching. And they've got enough talent that if, if they're still rolling as the season ends, they can knock Cleveland out in the first round. I, I truly believe that that is possible. Okay, because I'm starting to think that Philadelphia is a team that that uh, is more real than I thought they would ever would ever be, first of all, and more real than I certainly thought they were just a a month ago. And I'm looking through Twitter, Calvin, and I've got to I got to throw this out there because it's going to rip Dwight Howard. The NBA tweeted out about 15 minutes ago that Dwight Howard has a season high uh, at 30 points and they show him getting an alley-oop with four minutes and 45 seconds left on the clock, down 16 in this game. And he pumps his chest afterwards. And I'm sort of looking at this like, ugh, unbelievable, Dwight Howard. You, why are you even still relevant? But then I realized that they were playing Philadelphia, 
And I start thinking, man, Philadelphia, this is the type of game that if Dwight Howard goes off, they in the past would have probably fallen apart and found a way to lose this game. But they actually won a game they were supposed to win. And I haven't been watching them recently. I haven't really been paying attention, but it just seems like they are catching momentum at the right time. So if Cleveland doesn't get their act together and it's just going to be the LeBron show and Embiid and Simmons are running all over the court and, and playing the way they've been playing recently, Philadelphia's got a shot. So if Philadelphia has a shot, what do you think is going to happen if Cleveland has to go up against Boston or Toronto in the next round uh, or, or even a, a full-strength Washington squad who is, you know is going to give it their all against, against LeBron James? They, that's, that's in their mind that he's their rival. That team, they're, they're rivals in, in the minds of the Wizards. So they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. I, just, I feel like if, if I'm giving Philly a shot at knocking out Cleveland, I've got to give everybody else an even better shot. And that means Cleveland's not going to the NBA Finals. Long story short. Okay, well, this is fun right now. Let me uh, uh, six three the Celtics. Do, do they have a shot? Um, I think they do have a shot. I think they do have a shot because of Embiid. But if the Celtics are smart, they're gonna they're gonna try and grind it out and, and throw their bigs out there. And that's what that's what a guy like Monroe and Baines are for to try and push that kid around. And ultimately, I think the Celtics win that series. But aside from LeBron James, the, the Cavs don't really don't don't have much going on. But the Celtics seem to have talent at the top with Irving and Horford, and then some talent in the middle. And if those guys can click, Brown and Tatum, that is, if they can click for a game or two, then they win that series. Okay, well, we'll do the actual series breakdowns when when the playoffs start. I'm just I'm just getting I'm just looking for some quick reactions from you right now. Sixers play play the Raptors. Do they have a shot to win that series? I don't like the feeling in that series. No, I think Toronto's solid like right them. now. So no, I think I think Toronto's solid. So right now, if you would take, it sounds like you would take Toronto to come out of the East if you had to pick somebody. Um, I I would think I would put the Celtics ahead of them because I still believe that Kyrie Irving is the best player in the series, and the Celtics' defense is the best in the league. So I I would ride those two things in a seven-game series, but against. Toronto against Philadelphia, um, I kind of split that because Toronto's defense to me is better than Philly's, but Philadelphia probably has the best player in the series, and in, in that, you got to break it down even further, and I, I go with uh, the Raptors roster on that on that regard. So, no, I would Great. I would take the Celtics over Toronto, but Toronto over Philadelphia. Ray, you, you're willing to make a bold prediction about next season earlier. Are you willing to predict right now, without seeing, without seeing the matchups, are you are you saying what I'm hearing? What I'm hearing from you is that right now you're ready. You're ready to say Boston Celtics are coming out of the East. Let me hear it. Let me hear you say it. I think they. I think they are, man. I I think they are. And and the only person that can stop them is LeBron James. I I don't I don't believe that Rodney Hood is going to stop the Celtics. George Hill is not going to stop the Celtics. If LeBron James can find a way to yet again dominate a series. Victor Oladipo, give me a break. Do you like Indiana that much? No, I just like saying the, the phrase Victor Oladipo. Okay. No, it's LeBron James. He's the only one that can stop them from going to the NBA Finals this year, in my mind. And Toronto oh. is a close second. I, I, I think that Toronto would definitely, 
take take these words and and put it on their their locker room if I were anybody important. Uh, but they, uh, I mean, they're they're a close second. They can they can definitely beat the Celtics. And if if Toronto has the home court, um, I would probably actually lean their way. So the Celtics have their work cut out for them because they are two games back right now. But that can flip flop. So. In a perfect world, Celtics home court, they're going to the finals. But, look, I, I mean, I'm leaning back the other way. It's that close. I don't like you, back, you, you watering down your bold statements with logical explanations. I just want the bold statements, right? Great. Well, the Rockets know, beat I, the Warriors. I, can the Rockets beat the Warriors? Say Yes, I think they can. It's probably not going to happen, can? but I believe that they can. They? Yes, I think they can. Stop. You said it, yes. The Rockets will beat the Warriors. I didn't say they will. I said I think it's possible. I think I think the Rockets have a good thing going right now. And it, the only problem is that the Warriors actually play defense, and the Rockets don't really prove have – never, have never really proved that they can play any D. So that would be my hesitation there. Uh, if they get hot for a whole series, then yes, they can beat the Warriors. Would I bet on it? No. Who's the third best team in the West? Screwing you right here. This, this is what right I into this. what I want. Yeah. It it oh, sucks because great. with Jimmy Butler, I think I think it was Minnesota, and that's probably the fanboy in me talking. But I think that Minnesota oh, okay. was going to unveil themselves as the third best team in the playoffs and make a make some serious noise. But that's a that's a good example. If Butler right. is is healthy in a few weeks, do they bring him back? I would imagine they would. Um, but either way, listen. Ray, can we make a, a quick stop here on the Timberwolves now that you now that you mentioned Butler? Yeah, why does everyone hate Andrew Wiggins all of a sudden? Do you hate, do you think Andrew Wiggins sucks? I feel like all of a sudden, like the, no. the collective wolf has decided that Andrew Wiggins is the next Rudy Gay, and I don't know. Maybe I mean I don't watch enough Tim, Timberwolves basketball to like come to that conclusion, but it, it seems like people have just decided to 100% give up on Andrew Wiggins. Are you there? Are you over it? No. I'm not giving up on Andrew Wiggins. Why would I do that? I think that that he's he's a guy that I mean maybe he shouldn't be the number one player on a team. I think they they've proven that this year. They've done better running things through through Jimmy Butler. Um, but Wiggins is is a it's certainly an All Star caliber player in the future, in my opinion. I think that he's a guy that in the right situation could really be pretty good. Um, he's not having a, a superstar season right now, but he's got Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns on his team, a proven veteran who has become a, a great scorer throughout his career, and a guy that is trying to wiggle his way into the MVP talk. So Andrew Wiggins, not going to be an MVP type of guy, but I, I certainly think he can hang on that Gordon Hayward type of level that we were talking about earlier, the second tier down. I, look, I agree with you. Kim, here's the thing. It's like third best team in the West, right? And when I ask that question, I don't know. Part of me is wondering like who's going to finish third, but I don't think that matters. I think really what we're talking about is like in a playoff series, who like, who, like do any of these teams have a chance of making the Western Conference Finals? Is what we're talking about, right? And maybe you just right out of hand say no, and that's fine. But if it's but if it's one of them, who is it, right? Let's assume this person yeah. have Kawhi. Cause that's too easy. I guess I still right? haven't answered, <laughs> right? I'd... Yeah, is it is it the thunder? Are you are you a thunderhead? Are you are you are you are you you know mad Rory beyond Thunderdome right now? Are you gonna thunder me? Um, 
I mean, it could, it really could be. And of course they have the most potential because if those three guys, if you, if you can get a three headed monster to play cohesively and trust everybody else, the other two guys are on the floor with them and really start to everybody play their roles type of thing. I don't, I'm not sure if, if Oklahoma city has figured out their roles yet, this, even this far into the season, I think they're still working through some of that stuff. Uh, and they know what Steven Adams is, which is great. But I feel like that, that fifth role player, that fifth starter or whatever, I don't even know who they would roll out there in most situations. Um, but here's the thing, right? Is it Robert? Does he come off the bench? Either way, if if who? George, Anthony, Roberson. I, w- I wasn't sure if he, he came off the bench. Oh, Roberson's after, uh, Roberson got hurt. He's out for the year. Did he? Yeah, shows what I know about Oklahoma City. But the point the, the point is that if those three guys can figure it out, then yeah, of course you have to look at them as a team that can that can get to the finals. I just don't see it happening yeah, but, right now. They seem working through some things still. Well, yes, yeah, they're working through the fact that Carmelo's not good anymore. I mean, that's really what they're working <laughs> through, right? Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't see. I, I mean, Carmelo still thinks he's Carmelo, but he's not Carmelo. To his credit, he has like been taking less shots in the second half of the year, but it's also like not really playable, in, in, especially with that that particular team. I don't know. I don't. In, in, you know, like you talked about earlier with Jimmy Butler fanboy, maybe it's just the the Paul George the Lakers fanboy in me. But right now, hmm. I don't, I'm not seeing this ending that well for the Thunder. You just want them to fail. Do I, do I, do I, I mean, do you think I should be super worried right now about Paul George going to the Western Conference Finals and being super happy with Westbrook? That's, no. that's what I should no, be worried about think right so. now? Yeah. Nope. Doesn't seem to be that way. I, I, I'm trying to figure out who they're even starting so I don't sound like a dumbass calling out Anthony Roberson who's not even playing anymore. Is it is it Eustace? Is he starting? Is who starting? Eustace? Uh, I think they're playing tonight, are they not? Yeah, they're, they're playing right now. I'll tell you. Let me pull it up right now. Right, so I'm Houston. looking at, it's, is it Josh Eustace? Yeah, maybe started or Eustace. did before start? Either way, uh, they're not playing that many guys. They yeah, they're Houston. playing a limited number of guys. I don't know, it's loading slowly. I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you in a minute. No, I'm looking at the box score. It doesn't say who started. Thank you, Thunder.com. Uh, anyway, I think what you're trying to get at is the fact that really nobody looks good enough to get to the NBA Finals besides Houston and Oklahoma City. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I'm, I'm just well, you said Houston and Oklahoma City. Huh? Spoiler alert, another big prediction from Matt Ray. Don't say. That's a mistake. That's a, a Freudian slip right there. Uh, the Thunder are starting Eustace, yes. Eustace, Carmelo, Stephen Adams, Westbrook, and Paul George. It's because they're playing right now. Anyway. Yeah. In, it, yeah. in any case, um, what was I getting at? Well, we, we skipped some teams. I'm just saying, look, I, all, all of these teams have flaws. It's a super interesting year in that, like, nobody seems that good other than the, the big two, right? Like, this seems like a year where, like, the the elite but, even is, like, but smaller than it ever no. was. Because, yeah, last year, last year you, know, you want to say the Rockets were not as good as they were this year, and that's fair. But the Rockets were still, like, up there last year. Who else? Who San Antonio was super good last year. They won a bunch of games with Kawhi Leonard. 
obviously they they're falling off this year. So then you know they I don't know they just felt like there were more teams like Cleveland was definitely better last year than they were this year, right? Yeah, it's so like, funny. It's kind of like that in both conferences now. I mean, aside from Cleveland yeah. looking like a team that just come out of nowhere and, and surprise people if they fall to fourth or fifth, what what have you. There's two teams in each conference that are far and away better than everybody else. And the, sure, Toronto and Boston can be argued about whether they would actually beat Cleveland in a series, but the consensus in the West is Houston Golden State, and they're. 12 games ahead of everybody. It's 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 kind of crazy. But the rest of those teams are all within two and a half games of each other, all the way down to, to 10. Four, four games, if you, if you include the Utah Jazz, between third place and 10th place in the Western Conference. That's insane. But, so we, so you, do, you, do you think it's the Timberwolves? Just, I really just want an answer now for the number three team. Now, the Blazers and Pelicans have won seven and eight. I, Seven and eight in a row, respectively. I don't know how much that impresses you. Maybe very little. Uh, the Blazers played the Lakers That's last tough. night. The Lakers, well, Lakers were up by eleven, and Damian Lillard scored seventeen points in the fourth quarter, flat him back from the dead. Very impressive performance he's by him. He's fire. been going out. He, man, he has yeah. he has been just incredible, silencing haters both on the court and on Twitter, just trying to to hit all the bases there, just making sure that everybody who hates him is just quiet. You know doing a good job all over the place, but I, I just, I don't know about his supporting cast. I never do. I've never believed in, in Damian Lillard's supporting cast. And even to this day, I, Nurkic is I've always, fine. I just, I don't believe in these guys. I, he's, he is the man. And so can he carry them to the NBA finals? That's the question. Yeah. I'm, 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 I don't want to call myself a Damian Lillard hater because I'm not. He plays something like an exuberance that I like, and I like have always appreciated his. You know, people talk about how like clutch is an intangible thing, but like, or not an actual thing is what I mean to say. But he's always sort of exemplified the idea of clutchness, which I enjoy. But I, I've just like never thought he was quite as good as like some people seem to think he is. So I'm sort of like to me, he's like. He's like on the outskirts of the elite. You know what I mean? Like I don't see him as like actually. Sort of, I feel kind of the same way about John Wall. If I'm being honest, sort of like elite adjacent rather than actually. And but right now, I'm, right now it's a different matter. Like he's playing, he's playing at a different level. If this you know becomes a consistent thing with him, I can reevaluate. But um, you're right. I don't love, even though I've always loved Nurkic. He's been inconsistent this season. Um, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I, maybe maybe it's the Pelicans because here's the thing, Ray. When it comes to the, you know what, I think it is the Pelicans because looking at all these teams, especially the Warriors and Rockets, the Rockets even even if they put Kevin Durant on on Anthony Davis, which is like the most logical thing to do out of and the Rockets, I don't know who they would put on Anthony Davis. Clint Capella, it's probably Clint Capella, right? I still feel like he could go off on either one of those guys at any time he wants. Is there is there a hype? And I remember when the Pelicans played the Warriors a couple of years ago and they lost in five. But like it was it was you know what I would call a hard five. It wasn't one of those like just them getting smashed every game. And like the Pelicans weren't even as good then as they are now. I just think there, if there's a, a theoretical situation in which Anthony Davis you know puts up a fifty fifteen for a series and takes one of those teams to six games. And do I see so? The the big the big part of that the big reason for that 
is his shooting percentage. It's off the charts this year. He's shooting 34% yeah. from three, shooting 54% from the, from the field in, in general, which is something he hasn't done in the, in the last few years. He did it in 14-15, uh, it looks like. But he's still doing everything else as well. He's still rebounding extremely well. He's still passing the ball a few times a game and getting assists. He's still playing excellent defense. Talk about defensive player of the year type of, type of guys. He's right there. Uh, so that's, that's the key is that he's just doing the, the all-around stuff. If he stays healthy, I would buy your argument. And I, I think that they, uh, they should be, the be one of the better teams because he's playing out of his mind. Again, it comes back to the supporting cast. What else do they really have? If he, if he doesn't do 50 and 15, if he doesn't score 30 and, and 11 on an average for a series like he's been doing for the season-ish, are they really going to make it to the NBA Finals? I feel like they, they have a, a tougher road uh, than a, a team like Minnesota, even though Minnesota is... Uh, the lower seed, if a guy like Jimmy Butler is healthy in the next couple weeks. Like, if he comes back and disrupts things like we were talking about earlier and maybe he doesn't really get into the flow, then I could could, totally – I would not pick them. But I still – I think I'd go with Minnesota uh, because I feel like they have a better top-end talent pool for three or four guys down the roster, not just number one in in Anthony Davis, even though Davis has been – absolutely out of his mind recently and one one of the most exciting players in the NBA right now, if not the most exciting player since the all-star break. So um, I can't argue against you, but if you were talking about the third best team, I just, I'm looking at the Timberwolves and, and wondering if they're going to be able to figure things out without Jimmy Butler and hoping that he comes back uh, in, in enough time to actually make them good again, because this was this man that that franchise seems to be a little bit snake bitten. This seemed to right. be the, the year that they were actually going to make the playoffs. Forget forget the health element of it, and I guess maybe it's unfair to say forget the health element right. of it because it, it's so important, right? But it is. would it be insane for me to to argue that Anthony Davis is actually the best player in the NBA on hmm. on a on a you know game-by-game basis, when you, when you factor in like his, his defensive impact, just both ends of the court no. combined impact on a night-to-night basis, you know, when he's actually out on the court, like, is James Harden better than Anthony Davis? I know I know he is offensively, no. but that system is so well-designed well to, to his talent, which, like, you, you can't say the same in New Orleans. And James Harden isn't, isn't you know, one-tenth as valuable as Anthony Davis is defensively. Why is he not the best player in the NBA? Um, I, why don't we, I why wouldn't don't we argue against it. I, I, I mean, I kind of, the way he's been playing, it's because of the injuries. It, injury history definitely factors in because people want a player that's going to be sustainable and that's going to show up night in, night out, year after year, and be the best player on, on the team, the best player in the league, the, the MVP. I, I look at Anthony Davis as that player, and it's it's tough because – Harden's team is so much better than New Orleans is right now, even though Davis is making a case for the fact that, that they can they can give Houston a run for their money. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But 
Harden, you're right. The system is geared towards him, and the three-pointers is a big part of it. Uh, but he also gets nine assists a game, so and he's he's a defensive monster on as far as steals are concerned. People think he doesn't play defense, but he's averaging two steals a game. So tell me that guy doesn't play defense. He finds a way to 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 create turnovers, and his efficiency on offense is looking off the charts this year. So depending on how you look at it, it's those two guys right now, uh, and then of course you throw in the. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, honorable mentions on down the list. But those two guys are looking like the MVP candidates at this point. And arguing that Davis is your man is there's nothing wrong with that. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, back away from that one if I were you. Yeah, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready, Murray. Um, so what's the conclusion? What do you like? We went through all the teams. What do you like? Who? Just just give me a name. I mean, if we're taking rosters as is right now, players that played tonight and the night before and guys that aren't going to come back, then I think you have to give it to New Orleans. And it, that's it's just because of Anthony Davis. If you're talking about full rosters, healthy players, uh, I'm going with Minnesota. All right, well, why don't we, why don't we turn this round upside down and talk about tanking for a minute. Great. Same <laughs> question. Same question. You look at all these rosters right now, talked about it before. You know, we've been talk, sort of been talking about uh, playoff positioning all season. We talked we talked about it before the season. Because the, uh, the the Celtics have, in in theory, the Lakers pick this year, and yes, we are getting to that in a second. But, um, yep. yeah. Not in theory well, anymore, really, thing? but anyway. No, well, well, well we, we addressed I, it multiple you know times. And, and you haven't been ready. You, you, I keep asking you, Rory, are you ready? You know what, we're just going right to it right now. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Well, hold on. I was going to give you some props first. I was going to give you some props okay. because you called out Memphis at one point to say that they were going to be the worst team in the league, and yeah. I don't—I didn't believe you. And you also called out Atlanta as one of your worst teams in the league. And at that point, I was sort of, nah, I, I like Schroeder. I don't believe you then either. But here we are, March sixth, two thousand eighteen. Worst team in the East, Atlanta, by half a game. Worst team in the West, Memphis, by – oh, sorry, this stand, these standings are wrong. Phoenix is, is the worst team by half a game. Memphis is right there, and they're tanking really hard. They've lost 14 in a row. But, so there's, there's some props for you, calling out two teams that I just couldn't believe were going to be that far down. And uh, you were right. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> That's enough. Okay, I, I... – I, I appreciate that, Rui. I mean, uh, it, the, the thing is, is, is that um, there's some shenanigans going on with sort of uh, half game measures because teams haven't played the same amount of games. So I think, right, uh, right. yeah, the Phoenix Suns actually have two more losses than anyone else uh, in the yes. NBA. So to, to my mind, they are the front runner right now. Uh, Memphis is technically yep. at the bottom because they have the fewest number of wins. So I guess if you look at it that way, they've lost since, since game, Memphis yeah. has lost 14 in a row. Maybe maybe they have one up on on Phoenix because they they have to win another game to tie Phoenix. I don't I don't know. You know what I mean? How do you look at it there? Right. That's a tough. I, I, I don't know. The, the NBA yeah. standings page is looking at it as though Memphis is last. They're calling them 15th, but they're also saying that Phoenix is 32 games behind Houston and Memphis is 31 and a half games behind Memphis or Houston. So uh, yeah, 
there's there's two ways obviously to look at that. I I'm going with Memphis because of the losing streak, but Phoenix is right there too. I was just trying to give you a little bit of a credit there. All right, you didn't want to take I, I it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, can, well, can you can you give me a little bit more props? Because we 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 adjusted the, the bottom of the standings on multiple occasions. We've talked about my beloved Los Angeles Lakers, and mm-hmm. I said on, I, I said that there was no chance that they were going to get the bottom five pick, and you've always sort of resisted that notion. Even even as the Lakers started you know winning a little bit more, you still sort of and I, I know you know most of it was just to mess with me, and that's that's fine. But I I feel like I have to ask you again because the Lakers are mm-hmm. now. At least nine games up on yep. one, two, three, four. Brooklyn, Orlando, five, six, Atlanta. Yeah. Eight or seven. Eighteen. Yeah. There are five games. I mean, I'm sorry, nine games up on eight teams. They are also up uh, on um, the Knicks and the Hornets, uh-huh. and they Barely are currently half. Yeah. They are half a game behind the Pistons. So the Lakers right yeah. now are currently in line to to get the eleventh slot. Right and yeah, in theory, right. there's still a chance that at that 11th slot that they would get a two through five pick, and maybe that's what you're rooting for. But no, is it, are it, you, are it you willing to wave the, the, the white point. flag? Um, I, I want that flag to come out, really. I need that flag. Are you willing to wave it yet, or, or is there still a chance that the Lakers spiral and make up that nine games with you know 20 games uh, or whatever left? There's, there's still a chance, but I think I think I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll put I'll print a nice a nice big purple and yellow number seven on that white flag throw it right up there pop the number seven on there greatest number seven in lakers history thank you isaiah thomas for bringing the lakers back to prominence because now they're they're going to be out of the bottom five they're not going to have to give their pick back to the celtics isaiah thomas you, you should be thanking him calvin there you go isaiah thomas can i just say that do it just referring to it as yellow is such a like great low key insult to Lakers fans. It's hilarious because like it's considered it's purple and yellow. Like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right. I know. I know what you're saying. I'm delightful. Yeah, delightful little insult. I'm, uh, I'm about it. Okay. Yeah. So it's over. Look, we don't, we don't need to get too deep into Lakers this week because I know I spent 40 minutes ranting on them. I'm just saying that. I, I told you last time when the, when you know it was already looking like the Lakers were going to come back that I found it extremely unlikely that they would because tanking would soon enough start, right? And, and without tanking, we are full into tanking mode. And yes, we, it seems like we talk about tanking every year, right? Last year's thing, last year the Nets and the Lakers were sort of uh, several games ahead of anyone else who could have caught them. And this year, like everyone's all around the same area, which is it kind of makes it awesome. Because you know, it doesn't feel like – it feels like all of these teams are trying to be as bad as possible. And there's, there's these, all these extra wrinkles to tanking now that, like, that people keep talking about, like the teams using analytics to determine tanking. Have you heard about this, Ray? Yes. Look, look, yes, I have. They're trying to figure out what their worst lineup would be and yeah. play them at the end of games. It's outrageous. Well, it's the Mavs. because – because the defensive tanking teams have always been what? It's been, uh, no, teams don't tank on the floor. They tank the, the front office tanks, right? The, the co- coaches and players, they're trying to win. Like, that, that, right. that, yeah, but guess what? They, sure they, they found probably. an easy workaround for that. Like, you, you, can, you can try to win all you want, but if you're a team that's playing in the NBA, like, teams are finding ways to play two centers at the same time. Like, if you're playing, if the Celtics started playing Tice and Aaron Baines and Yabaselli, 31 minutes a game, 
Like, it doesn't matter how much they're trying to win. Like, they're not going to win too many games with that lineup. They just have, you know, Marcus Smart as their, their primary ball handler, for it, and then they say sad Kyrie Irving. Like, he's going to have enough turnovers to where, like, Celtics are going to lose games, regardless of how good Marcus Smart actually is and how much he wants to win. Right? Like, you can't – there's certain lineups that just don't work at all in the NBA, even as, as hard as those guys are going to try, and I'm sure they're trying hard. It's it's a ridiculous concept right. to me, but it's also no. fascinating. Yeah. Like, if Memphis rolls out the bottom half of their roster and Marc Gasol, guess what? They're going to lose, and they have been losing. That's basically what's happening. When they came into town the other night, uh, they they threw out uh, Marc Gasol for, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, so they didn't get scolded by the league. And otherwise, you saw heavy minutes from a guy, guys like Mario Chalmers and, like, guys I've never even heard of before. Uh I'm looking at the the names up on the the board and wondering like where where did these guys even come from? I've never I've literally never heard of them before. And I play fantasy basketball, so I see a lot of random na- player names that most people wouldn't even consider looking up. And when so I can I would like to feel that when I see a player's name on the scorecard or on the the, the big board that I would know who he is in most situations. But when some of these tanking Western Conference teams come in, it just they are even the Eastern Conference teams for that matter. They're just digging was, to the bottom of the barrel, you. and I just don't understand. I just I don't know I don't know why. Rick, did you watch any of the Celtics Bulls games last night? I'm curious because you know the, the Bulls were sort like of uh, three minutes. I'm sorry. I watched like three minutes of that game. I I I just I tuned in. They were up. The Celtics were up. 25 or something at that point, and I said, um, I'm going to find something else to do. I, I'm, I'm not going to do this right now. So the, the, the Bulls were roundly mocked on Twitter last night. Uh, there was some talk about, like, why, you know, the NBA – here's the thing. I don't I don't know what the NBA – like, the NBA keeps, like, trying the pretense of, of they're going to be the person who does something about this, like, more strict or anti-tanking. Mark Cuban got fined $600,000. Uh, which is a crazy amount, right, for saying it, it would be in the Mavericks' best interest to not win games. Uh, so they're, like, trying to discourage. And it's like some secret. Like, they're having, a, like, the NBA is, like, having a secret affair on the side with the CBA, and they don't want everybody to know about it. But we all see lipstick on the NBA's collar. You know what I mean? Like, everybody knows. Everybody knows about your office romance. Like, everybody knows teams are taking. They, so they go to the polls, and they say, like, hey, what's up with you guys not playing Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday? And so the uh, so the Bulls were like, yeah, well, what happened was we went to Robin Lopez and, and Justin Holiday, and we talked about you know wanting to play the young players and sort of player they're cou- they couched into the player development, which is nothing new, right? But then they're like, but, so the Bulls sure. said, yeah, we went to we went to Justin uh, Holiday and Robin Lopez, and you know offered them the opportunity to play less minutes on the on the on the bench, but they declined uh, in order to give the young players minutes. So how gracious of them, right? Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. Hey, they, you know, sure. let's get these Yeah, you know what? Like, we'll we just sit around and do nothing, collect our yeah. paychecks. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll become yeah. teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Here's 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 the thing about that, though, right? Okay. There's there's this thing in the NBA called averages. Have you heard of this? You ever heard of averages? Look, uh-huh. Robin, you 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 know why Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday are happy to not play at all rather than play 14 minutes a game? 
because their averages are going to go to crap the second they start playing those 14 minutes a game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, right. you, look, you play, you play 40 games and you're scoring 13 points and, and nine rebounds. That's what's going to show up when you when you try to get your next contract. It's not going it, it's not going to be that you played 41 games because everyone's going to know that you sat out. But once you start playing those 10 minutes a game and your your average goes down to nine points, then it looks like you didn't have nearly as good of a year. It it makes well, your negotiating position like much weaker. And so none of those guys, of course, they'd rather sit out than play the, the, those uh, reduced minutes. Well, so, I mean, yes and no, because both of them are under contract for next year. So, I mean, unless that's going to happen to them again next year, I, I feel like the argument is a little bit less. I mean, it probably is still going to happen next year, right? Or they get traded. I mean, what? It'd be. Right, they, they get traded. I mean, I'm just saying that a guy in a contract year, that, that argument makes a lot more sense. But for guys that are going to be there next year anyway, maybe they really do believe that if they let some of these younger players develop, they can come back and play next year and actually be on a decent team. I, that's just a devil's advocate thing I'm throwing out there at you. Okay, well, let, let, let me ask you this, okay? And, and maybe this is an unfair question for me to ask you right now without you having time to properly research. But maybe just maybe if you could just think of one example, okay? I'd love to see the example of the veteran who had their minutes cut down uh, at, the, at the end of a season, and then, then when the team drafted younger players uh, to start the next season, that veteran got his, his minutes bumped right back up to where they were. I'd love to see the example of that because I don't know that it exists. I don't think there is one, and this is probably not that example because neither of those players are anything special. They are role players like for Lopez sure. Lopez. So I like Lopez too, but he's he's not a fifteen million dollar center. Uh, on no. a, well, maybe he is next year, but we'll see. Uh, probably not. Um, probably not. But the point, yeah, the point is that I mean, if they were a little bit better, then the argument is different. Um, but yeah, I mean that your argument uh, makes sense. I just I feel like it's kind of wishy-washy because of the contract situation, but um, ultimately I think it's all a bunch of hooey because the Bulls are lying through their teeth. They, those players, even if though I, I would like the NBA to go have a, a separate investigation, go to those players directly and say, did they actually ask you that, or did they just tell you that that was what's going to happen? Because in most situations, I believe that the coaches are not actually asking the players. They're Maybe they'll word it in the form of a question, but they're really telling them what's going to happen. They're the ones in charge. They don't need these guys to buy in if they are going to just not play them and have them sit on the bench. So that's, that to me sounds like a little bit of a cover-up, and I wouldn't believe it from the start. So the rest of it is who cares. You think Fred Oiberg did it Jeopardy style? He just walked up to them and he's like, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. <laughs> What are the two players who are not going to have play very much for the rest of the season? Just put it in the form no, of a question. He, no, he would, have, he would have had to give them a, an, the answer. He would have had to say, uh, these two players on the Bulls will see their minutes significantly cut or not play at all. And the category would have been uh, Robin Lopez slash Justin <laughs> Holiday or – the, no, that's the Robin and, The category like has that. to be like. And then the question would be, who are? Yeah, you can't give the answer in the category. Let's yeah. see, what would it be? Um, uh, top five salaries on the Bulls. Right, right. These players. 
top five salaries on the yeah, top five both both players, I guess. Yeah, at this point. No, it's sure. got to be salaries. You're right, because then then you go with like marketing and stuff. So yeah. you're right. It's got to be salaries. Top top three. Wait, Felicio's still there. Top four salaries on the Bulls. These two players are going to see their minutes significantly cut. That's the Jeopardy answer right there. Maybe he did. I, I would have think maybe. not, but maybe he did. All right, so this this whole thing never loaded for me, but I I sort of remember a thing or two that we had. I don't I don't know what do we have left on board. I did want to talk about Sean Miller a little bit. Um, well, no, actually, I, uh, I have a thought or two about tanking before we before we get off this. Uh, I love to. Sorry, if you're serious. Yeah. Do you do you are, are you like um are you Armageddon guy right now? Are you like this is terrible for the NBA? Um, these teams. I kind of like that all these teams are right here because it makes the tanking it makes the tanking more fun. When these teams go head to head, especially like just to see how they look. Because look, these teams are not more fun. fun. I want. I mean, I'm sorry. I want to see a good product. I, I want to see basically more than half the games on a given night should be entertaining to me. And for a couple of years, I think that they were. And I thought that the league was going in the right direction. But this. This year seems to just be off the rails as far as tanking is concerned. And maybe it's because everybody anticipates the, the lottery changes next year and they're saying, well, if we're going to tank, we better do it now. We've got we to get it in. This is the last year that we can tank. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to do it. And they're just trying to get the best player next year. Maybe that's a result of all that. But I, I just hope it's not a trend in this direction because I truly did believe that middle-of-the-pack basketball games last year even – and the year before that, were entertaining. And this year, I'm looking just as I'm clicking around on things to, to sort of back up arguments, etc. I land on the Grizzlies homepage, and lo and behold, tomorrow night, Memphis at Chicago. That one's going to be awesome. You think Robin Lopez is going to play in that game? Who cares? That is a crap game. And Wait. both those both of those teams are are just falling apart, and they they shouldn't be. Those are franchises that should be in in the middle of the pack with decent rosters and putting up a, a semi entertaining game in the regular season at least. But you 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 just undermine your own argument though, because you, you just said is Robin Lopez going to play? Who cares? It's not entertaining. So if it doesn't matter if Robin Lopez doesn't play or plays, it's not entertaining. Then then what does it matter if they're tanking? No, that lends credence to my I, argument that at least at least if they're tanking, there's the entertainment value of seeing them try to do something. It yeah, but that's just not entertaining. That's the difference. It's not entertaining. But my my question to you is like, even in in theory, for okay, take take a thought, non take a right? Even in theory, how many of these teams that are, you, you just scroll through the bottom, leave Charlotte out of it because they're they're good enough to where you obviously leave the Lakers out of it. Both of those teams are good enough to put on entertaining games sometimes, right? Uh, the, the Knicks, we can leave out of it because it's not really their fault that Porzingis got hurt, right? When Porzingis was there, sure. they were capable of being an entertaining They were entertaining, game. sure. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. What, give, me, give me a scenario looking at the rest of these teams on this list, just based on their rosters. When, like, if, if you were the coach... What's a, what's a scenario in one of these which one of these teams might put on an entertaining game? The the Nets sometimes, I guess, maybe. Yeah, the Nets. The Nets yeah, sometimes. Like, I was gonna say they they've got they've got a young a young team that's that's pretty good. I mean, but here's the thing: the Nets are Detroit in that mix because they're no, no, falling Detroit, off. The, Detroit's not in the mix. 
Yeah, but but they haven't right, fallen I mean, that far if we're yet. Ta- if, we're, if we're talking about bottom bottom teams and actually like players you want to see, I'd like to see Dennis Schroeder in Atlanta. I like Vukovic in Orlando, even though he hasn't really been playing. Um, and if you're talking about other teams, I mean, right now, if Dallas had anything around Dirk Nowitzki, it would be exciting because he's been playing well recently. And yeah, he's old and he's washed up and he's out on his way out. But it, it would still something interesting to me that I would like to see. Um, otherwise, Sacramento sucks. Phoenix is disappointing again. I don't know how they keep doing this where they, they get all these young, talented players, and then they're, just, they're, they're terrible. Um, and Memphis is a big disappointment to me. So I, mean, I think the, 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 the biggest examples are Memphis, Chicago, and Orlando. Those three teams should be much better than what they are. And call it what you will in Memphis, they got, Mike, they got the, the big injury to Mike Conley. Um, they've been holding Tyree Gevins out of games and things like that. But they, they seem to go into tank mode when Conley got hurt. And I don't think that they really needed to do that. Obviously, they're not going to win the NBA championship. They may not have even made the playoffs. But the, the tanking thing for teams like that, it, it's, it's disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I guess, I guess Memphis, you have a point, because Memphis is a team that, like, was a playoff team last year. And yeah, they had some injuries, but they clearly, like, they could be better. Chicago, I don't think they could be much better than they are, even with those veterans. So I, I guess I give them the pass. And then at, a lot of these other teams, like Sacramento, I don't see a scenario in which Sacramento's not one of the worst teams in the league. So if I'm Sacramento... No, yeah, if I'm Sacramento, I'm also probably playing Deer and Fox and Bogdanovich as many minutes as I can for development reasons anyway, right? Forget tanking or not tanking. I'm doing that regardless. But I, I think the teams, here's the thing, the teams where the, the young players are your best players, then like, or, or at least like your best hope players, then like that, even though it might intangible results end up being tanking, that I don't, I don't like negative, I, I've always been a, a guy who like doesn't like it when teams tank, but I don't think that's the same thing as like outright sitting your best players. Like, you know, Memphis is definitely guilty of that. Um, even Dallas, Dallas is just not good. But Dallas doesn't even have a lot of good young players. It's not like they're playing, look, if, if Dallas was playing, no. you know, Yogi Ferrell. Time has passed them even, by. Yeah. Yeah, even Nerlens Noel, 37 minutes away. Look, they, they just have, they have an old roster. The guys they're playing are all, all veterans. But Carlisle doesn't even know how to tank. They're just terrible. I don't really like Dennis Smith as much as a lot of people do, so that factors into it too. But he's getting minutes. He's a young guy who you have to see what he is. He's getting minutes. I yeah. don't see what I'm not, I'm I not really sure what yeah. happened to Dwight Powell here. I mean, they've got Nerlens Noel, that, and we all know about that situation. Uh, they just – I thought that they were going to be – or that they should have at least put a better effort into getting players around Dirk Nowitzki because he's still – I mean, he's still showing that he can he's play not. a little bit. I mean – I, I disagree with that, but that's fine. I get I get the two up there. Hold on, let's talk about the last. Let's talk about the last month or so. That's all I'm looking at because I think that he has stepped up his game a little bit, and he probably sees that he's on his way out, and he wants he's like picking it up. But I think Dirk's been fine, and not an all star. I'm not going that far. I would never because he's obviously old and like I said earlier, washed up. But I think if there was something else around him. Like, if if uh, Wes Matthews was healthy ever, or if they just found a way to 
develop some of these other younger players. I feel like they are doing Dirk a disservice by essentially tanking in in his his last couple of years. Well, the the, problem, the real problem with Dirk at this point is defensively. Like you can still have him make right. you know en- enough jump shots, but but he's he's gotten to the point where like he can only defend centers at this point, and and not even that, but like. Power forwards are just roasting him, especially with the, the, the yep. stretch four advent. Like he, you know, he can't move. So you basically have to play him at center, and then the Mavericks are like terrible defensively when when Dirk plays. So I, I think that he's just like a guy you can't really play anymore in the in, in the, the modern in the modern game. You can't play him anymore because he can't move and the modern game. But yeah, so I guess when it comes down to it, like not. Yeah, it looks like all these teams are tanking, and maybe they're they're doing this strategic thing to add to it. But I just think functionally, not as many as people think. Hmm. All right. Well, all right. are we going to cram some NCAA stuff in the last ten minutes, or you want to kick that to the next week because it's probably going to change again? Uh, no, let's talk about it now. Unless you're you're trying to end it or what? I got I got some thoughts. All right. Well, I, I don't really. You don't really know what about of, this, right? Uh, no, I okay, don't. Well, I'm, I'm not really paying attention to the NBA, so you can you can carry or the NCAA, I should say. Um, I have heard he- things here or there about the various scandals at different schools and the the money and the meals and what what have you being paid to players. Uh, but I guess you've got some sort of FBI story. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. We, the FBI thing, when it comes down, is going to be amazing, but it hasn't it hasn't come down yet. But we're gonna we'll, we'll, in the future we'll probably be spending a ca- countless amount of times talking about this supposed FBI investigation. And just so people know, like it, it's not it's not really actually illegal uh, to to pay a college basketball player. Well, the reason there's an FBI investigation is essentially like in order to hide money trails when you're when you're giving up an NBA or excuse me an NCAA player sixty grand. You basically you have to commit wire fraud. You have to avoid paying income taxes. So it's all income tax evasion. It's all wire fraud. It's all like conspiracy to, to you know hide money in various ways. Okay, so that's why the FBI right. is involved. It isn't, the FBI does not care at all about NCAA violations. Believe me. But fair enough. So yeah. So there's a rumor that the FBI has in, in you know course of their investigation. Uh, like violations on as many as like 30 schools, uh, you know, multiple different players, major college players that are in college right now, but we don't know yet because it's it's sort of under sealed, uh, under seal until you know the case comes out until the indictment actually comes down. So what we have right now is a, a, a week, two weeks ago. Was, I'm glad we actually we didn't talk about it before because now we have this, this further information that makes it more interesting. Was ESPN supposedly getting information from a from a source that leaked that Arizona head coach Sean Miller paid uh, was caught on a wiretap uh, offering to pay recruit DeAndre Ayton, who is right now is projected to be a top two pick next year. So it's not like he's a nobody. Hundred hundred grand, right? Pay him a hundred thousand dollars. So Arizona immediately suspended him. But then, uh, you know, multiple in, in people on the other side, uh, Sean Miller always pledges his innocence. But people uh, have done their own independent investigation outside of ESPN, and it's uh, Sports Illustrated since reported that it doesn't make sense 
time, like the, the, the wiretap, which was supposedly from 2017, could not be from 2017 because Aiton had already been at Arizona at the time that the alleged wiretap talking about paying him $100,000 to come to the school, it wouldn't, like, he wouldn't have had that conversation because it would have already happened. He would have already been there, and therefore it doesn't make sense. So now Arizona is in this position, they suspended him, and then they, they sort of unsuspended him. Aiton has never been suspended. Now they're in this limbo now where he's talking about suing ESPN. This story still might break at some point, and you know, we'll know for sure. But we, there's a chance that if the wire, that like, you know, the wiretap is wrong because it's leaked information. The ESPN is basically going off of somebody else's source. So even if, even if it, like they got their story right, it could be that the source was wrong. And say he was taking leaked information, or he was lying, right? So, one, you think ESPN should have never reported this at all? Two. Like what? If you're Arizona, this is really why I'm I'm curious about it because it's such a fascinating position for the school to be in. Like if you're Arizona, you're in this position. What do you do with Sean Miller? Do you just let him coach the rest of the year, and then like you hope you know that he wins the title with Aiden, and you don't have to get rid of it later? Do you suspend him now, trying to be proactive? Because if if they don't, if you don't suspend him, maybe you're worried about like the NCAA coming down on you later, being like, hey, you knew about this. It's such an awkward position to them that I find completely fascinating. Yeah, so first of all, ESPN loses credibility by the day, by the week, by the month. However you want to gauge it, whatever timetable you want to throw out there, they're losing credibility. And for them to have to backtrack and then actually re-report something and just go back and forth – Check your sources. I mean, I guess this is the world today. Is this, is this is media today, right? Everything's got to get shot out onto Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and throw it out there immediately because you want to be first. It's like earlier, Paul Pierce tweeted out a picture of of uh, Hibachi Night, and I I was just I was on the show just looking through Twitter and I clicked like and I was wondering, oh maybe I'm maybe I'm first. I wasn't first. Eleven other people had liked it within the last minute but that's just the, the mentality today right like oh, i gotta be first but first is not always right because espn obviously had some things that they probably should have figured out before they posted this first initial story and reported on it now who knows about whether the the wiretap is is real or fake or the the words coming out of his mouth in whatever that taping was was a lie or it actually happened or if the FBI is even involved and uh, if he's going to be thrown in jail or what have you, Arizona is in a tough position, like you said. And I would have to believe that since they haven't done something by now, they either trust him and believe his word and are just going to throw him right under the bus and blame it all on him if something were to come out later that was true or they know better and they know that this is a false situation and that it, the accusations are not true and that he will be cleared of all charges and nothing's going to happen because to me, I mean, this is a big enough deal that they should have pulled the trigger on something if they didn't either a believe him or know otherwise. But how would they know? 
how would you know a negative? You know what I mean? How would they know that he didn't pay him $100,000 or offer to pay him $100,000? There'd be, like, very little... Like, would they... Well, they have a on their own investigation, spoken to the player. Uh, they they could have potentially done their or had their own uh, bank records checked or something like that. Who know? I don't know where the money would have come from. Obviously, some sort of offshore account or something. Who knows? What the FBI knows if they're even involved. But it just sounds like ESPN uh, yet again jumped the gun. And I I just I feel like. Arizona would have done something by now if they really thought this was a big deal. Because, like you said, if if it comes out to be true, they're going to look horrible for not doing something about their coach. And maybe they throw him under the bus and blame it on him entirely, but nobody's going to really believe that. Uh, that's just the approach that they would probably take. Yeah, I, I think that it's a, it's a weird situation where, like, he's a good coach, so, like... They don't want to get rid of him and then just have bring somebody in who's worse. I don't know. It's just it's a weird to, to me. I, I get where they're coming from. I feel like it, it might boomerang back around on them. On the other hand, if I'm Arizona, I might just think this: look, if if this FBI thing comes out the way like some people are saying it's going to come out, which it, it will, will be the point where it's really interesting, and it all comes out at the same time, because I think the main reason why Sean. Let me ask you this, Ray. If, the F, if, an, if an FBI indictment comes out and is made public, and it turns out that, you know, again, according to this list of schools that may have committed violations, it's, it's Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, uh, Arizona, UCLA, and, um, you know, another, t- another 10 schools, Michigan State, that happens. Are you telling me that what, what happens to college basketball at that point? All, all those guys simultaneously get fired? But it's it's almost kind of it's where they shut they shut college basketball mm. down entirely. They would almost have to do some sort of amnesty at that point, right? Just to keep the sport of college basketball alive. Uh, what do you do? I mean, do you think the players are still there though? The players will still be at the teams, and they just promote the next guy. I mean, if you have to to axe a bunch of coaches, then that's no. that's what, what you have you, to do. do it's still gonna. What do you, what do you do to punish the universities if it if it comes out? That the last five NCAA champions, right, have all had have all had players on their teams with major violations. Do you just do you say mm-hmm. that nobody's won? You say nobody's won a title for five? Do you do what they do did to Louisville? You take away the last five NCAA champions. You say that college hey. basketball hasn't existed for five years. And, you and that, you might have to. So in history, that 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 might be a bad idea. But right now, people people may tune in. People may turn around and say, okay, finally, they've done something about this. And maybe next year, the, the tournament just isn't that, that great. And you take a ratings hit, and in the long run, you, you're, you're better off for it. Uh, I doubt that's the way that the NCAA is going to go because they're, they don't want to lose any sort of business. I'm sure they'll figure out something, like you said, amnesty. Or, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll punish some. Universities and not others. They'll draw a line somewhere. They'll find the, the way to maximize their dollar, as they always do. Uh, but, yeah. Unlike for steroids and HD, HGH, though, there's no like test you can give people to make make yourself feel better to be like, well, college basketball's been cleaned up now. Even if you got rid of all the people on the list, there's no way of knowing that the next you know that the next man up. 
I'm assuming that person is going to be involved. Look, if Coach K got fired tomorrow for cheating, the next guy, the next guy up is like it's not going to be uh, some guy who's you know coaching high school basketball right now. It's probably still going to be somebody who's at some sort of college university right now, right? Sure. So like, how you're just going to assume that that guy's clean because he's he wasn't the head coach at Duke last year, or that he's like no, you just have to no, you, just, you just have to wait until the next scandal comes out in ten years, and then fire him. Then that's just the way it's going to go. Calvin, we we've got a minute left, so uh, we we All definitely right. ran right up against it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be more about this next week because the NCAA never fails to amaze us with their corrupt hypocrisy uh and march madness is oh. here can i even say yeah, that hopefully the tournament back. is coming anyway it is coming we'll see hopefully we're back next week i feel good about it we'll see what ray thinks but uh yeah good to hear from you guys as always gotta check the uh celtics schedule oh right we're in our post games up on, on thursday right. so any, any listeners please call in we like calls. I like to argue with people, and Rory agrees with me too much. <laughs> it's because you you put out such a great argument, Calvin. I don't think we really agreed a lot tonight. You were agreeing with no, me no, a lot not more tonight, tonight I just, than normal. I just anyway, mean in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, I'm the Celtics. Find out Thursday night after the Timberwolves game, sans Jimmy Butler. Ugh. Yeah. Bye. Good night, everyone.